Welcome to the Reminger Report podcast on emerging technologies. Reminger Co. LPA is a full-service law firm with over 150 lawyers spread across 14 offices and serving states throughout the Midwest. My name is Zach Pyers, and I'm a partner in Reminger's Columbus, Ohio office. And I'm Kenton Steele, an associate in Reminger's Columbus office. This podcast on emerging technologies will examine how changes in technology and business models affect our daily lives and how the law is adapting to respond to these changes. Today, we have a special edition of the Reminger Report podcast on emerging technologies. I am excited to introduce um, a special guest, Devin Miller. Devin, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here and uh, looking forward to a good, uh, good conversation. Well, we are we are very excited to have you here. We appreciate you taking the time. Now, I, I uh, w- before we jump in um, and, and kind of start talking about it, I'd love for you to kind of give us some background uh, about yourself. Um, I, I, we obviously see the science behind you, um, helping startups and small businesses and innovation, Miller IP law, intellectual property for those that um, don't know. But tell us a little bit about yourself. You're, I, I know you're a lawyer by training, but, you know, kind of tell our guests, um, you know, who it is that you are and, and what it is that you do. Yeah, and that's a, a whole long conversation in and of itself. So I'll try and give you a bit of the shorter version of it. Um, so kind of by heart, I have two or two things that I love. One, or I guess more than two things. I love my family. They're the most important. So I have a, I have a wife, uh, been married for 14 years, have uh, four kids, ages 11 to six. Um, and so that's the most important thing in my life. If you to switch over to the, the business side of my life, um, you know, my, my two passions are startups and uh, on, or startups slash entrepreneurship and the law. Um, and so that's kind of if you're to look at uh, the path that I've taken, it always kind of goes back to I, I love both or I have passion about both of those. And so, um, you know, kind of starting off educational career as far as on the uh, the college side. So I had I got four degrees, which my wife always jokes is three degrees too many. Um, but I got a electrical engineering degree, a Mandarin Chinese degree. Um, and then as I was getting and I, my emphasis was always more on the electrical engineering degree. Um, but as I was getting to the end of uh, the undergraduate and I was kind of figuring out what I want to be when I grew up, I came to the conclusion I liked engineering, but I didn't want to be an engineer in the sense that um, I didn't want to be stuck on a project for a long period of time and work, you know, a lot of engineers to have any say in a company or have any impact. You have to stay with them for a long period of time or have a lot of experience and saying, hey, I don't want to work 10, 15 years of my career before I ever get to see what I'm working on or really understand it or have any impact on it. So that's kind of where I said, what do I want to be when I grow up? And kind of said, I love entrepreneurship, startups, and I also love the law. And so I said, well, I could go do an MBA and get it, you know, in the business side, or I could go get a law degree. And I said, eh, rather than choose one or the other, I'm just going to go straight down the middle and do both. So I ended up getting uh, an MBA degree as well as a law degree at the same time, and then really been chasing both passions ever since. So I've been a full-time lawyer now for about 10 years. I've also in an, er, sort of been doing the law thing full-time, and I say, you know, side hustles are really a second full-time job. I've also done several startups, everything from small, you know, family businesses that make uh, tens of thousands a year up to seven and eight figure businesses as well. So that's about me in a nutshell, as much as I can put it in a nutshell, but that's uh, a, a little bit about me. Well, no, I appreciate that. And I, I think it helps to provide some context, both, I mean, not only for myself, but for our listeners, right, is to the, because one of the things that I always talk about, right, is that everybody approaches things a little bit differently. 
And so one of the things that I think is really helpful is to have that background um, and explanation when we hear about how people are approaching things. It's helpful to say, you know, this is how I'm approaching it, but let me tell you my background as to why I'm approaching it this way. And so I think that's immensely helpful, um, you know, for our listeners. Now, um, you know, you talked about kind of the background in law, full-time lawyer for the last 10 years, a bunch of startups. How did you kind of start out your career? When you, when, you know, when you first came out with the, the MBA and the law degree, how did you kind of get started in this space? Yeah, I would, it probably goes a bit back to while I was still in school. And so, uh, you know, as I was in school, um, I was kind of just to set up the stage or the context a bit. So I was doing the law degree and the MBA degree at the same time. Um, had a two-year-old at the time, had a newborn at the time, and I was working uh, about 20 hours as a law clerk. Um, and then I also, in, if the, as if that wasn't enough, um, decided that, you know, I saw a flyer. Uh, it was either a flyer or an email. I can't remember which, but it was basically saying, hey, there's a business competition. You can come join some multidisciplinary where you get a whole bunch of different uh, people together that you don't know each other that are do- they're studying different things. Put them all together and see what business ideas you come up with and you enter the competition. So formed a group one year. We did a, a, an idea that was kind of fun, but never was going to go anywhere. It made gym bags less smelly. We came back around and uh, did a second or got together. We were all juniors at the time or in our third year of school, got together for our last year and said, hey, you know, what do we want to do this again? We did. We uh, went into a uh, decided after a lot of stupid ideas of brainstorming that uh, I came up with the idea to do a wearable hydration monitor. Back in the days when they didn't have wearables, didn't even know Fitbit wasn't around. A- Apple Watch hadn't been thought of yet. And so that's really probably where I got my start on entrepreneurship. So I was chasing the law side of it and doing the MBA at the same time. But I also did that. From that, the short story is entered in the competition, took second place, although I think we should have got first, um, but started a business around it, bought out the other partners or the people in the competition with me, started a business around it, raised some money, um, did or did some further development over a few years, ended up merging with another company that that one's still around. And right now it's an eight figure going on nine figure business. And so I was always chasing the law, doing that full time. When I graduated, I was a full time attorney and then doing some of these entrepreneur things on the side until about three and a half years ago where I started my own law firm. Also wanted to be able to um, or navigate or be able to kind of consolidate everything I was doing. So the side hustles and the law legal, I can mend into one business and one company and one effort. And so I started that about three and a half years ago. So that was a much longer answer to a short question. Um, I don't know how to make it any simpler because it's a messy thing, but the, that's a little bit about how I got started while I was still in school and then kind of a, continued to graduate, become a lawyer, work for some law firms, worked for them for about seven and a half years, started my own thing. And the whole time I was also doing the, the entrepreneur, doing startups on the, on, as, alongside of that. I think it's great when lawyers, and we, we've talked to a number of lawyers on this podcast throughout. And I mean, I love talking to lawyers just because, I mean... Well, you're you're a select bunch. Most people will try to avoid lawyers as much as possible. <laughs> well, I mean, I think part of it is just because I am a lawyer myself, so I'm happy to discuss you know tech issues with other lawyers who are in the mm-hmm. tech space because oftentimes you know we, we don't we find um, we find a lot of lawyers who you don't find a lot of lawyers in the tech space or you don't find as many, and so you find a lot of lawyers who are adjacent to the tech space. Um, you know, because they are, you know, transactional lawyers or they, they're, they're, they're litigators or they're, but they're adjacent to it. But I love talking to lawyers who are actually in the tech space. And, you know, I, I also love 
it too, just because one of the things that I know a lot of young lawyers or, or law students who may be listening to this podcast, they oftentimes ask, you know, what else can I do with my career or my law degree other than traditional business? And I said, well, there's actually a lot of things. Um, you know, and we've had a lot of, you know, lawyer guests on this podcast who were saying, well, look what I've been doing. Uh, and it's really interesting stuff, right? Um, and I always say that the analytical approach that you learn in law school is applicable to a lot of different situations. Startup businesses is oftentimes one of them. So tell us a little bit, uh, you know, you answered and kind of how you ended up in the tech space, um, at least initially. Um, explain to us, I know you said you've got this, you've got your firm, Miller IP Law, kind of keeping everything under one roof. Tell me, what what are some of the services um, well, tell me first, I, I, I know a lot of people like to know where are you located, right? Because we haven't even, I'm in Columbus, Ohio, um, but, but where are you located? And tell us about some of the services your firm is kind of offering. Yeah, and, and uh, I almost went to school near Columbus. I, I went to Cleveland, Ohio, and I did the uh, graduate school for law degree and the MBA. So I went to Case Western Reserve there. So near nearby where you were at for a few years. But um, now I'm located. Um, I was originally from Utah. I'm back in Utah uh, most of my life, with the exception of lived in Taiwan for a couple of years and went to school in Cleveland for uh, graduate school. Um, but I'm in Utah. So we're uh, located in a smaller town. It's called Ogden, Utah. It's just north of Salt Lake City, but uh, definitely an awesome place and, and love being here. And tell us kind of what some of the services, you know, that your firm, well, yeah, I mean, I am assuming it's intellectual property, you know, some, some patent work and along those lines, especially yep. given your engineering background. But, but tell me, are, is, is it limited to that? Are you helping or consulting, um, you know, with startups and other capacities? Yeah, so do do several things. So I would say the the mainstay of the focus, or you know, kind of the, the core competency, is on intellectual property. So patents, trademarks, copyrights. That's kind of when I started the my own law firm, and even a lot of my career when I was focusing on the legal side. That's uh, where I was focused, and so definitely have a core competency between myself and the other attorneys here. Um, and we also will branch out a bit. So we'll do LLC formations. We'll do NDAs or non disclosure agreements. Um, non or uh, Non or independent contractor agreements, employee uh, IP assignment agreements. And so those are kind of business related services that oftentimes come along with that. Um, and then in addition to that and kind of not, um, we've also, I also own a engineering firm um, that does a lot of product development. So we'll help kind of on the, you know, a lot of times startups and small businesses will come in, they'll have initial prototype or maybe a concept and they're saying, hey, I want to protect this. And then, oh, by the way, do you know anybody that helps on the development side? And we're able to offer kind of both of those services under one roof. Um, and then in addition to that, kind of on the law side has uh, been branching out. One of the other things I think is an area that the legal side often lags behind, and that's a longer conversation, is on some of the DIY legal services. Now, you have people like Rocket Lawyer, LegalZoom, but for the most part, the traditional law firm model is such that, hey, where the attorneys either don't have them, you don't have any, you don't have enough money to afford this, we're going to leave you out in the cold and you have no options, which I understand why they do that, or you say, hey, you know, pay our fees. And for a lot of startups and small businesses, you're kind of left with between rock and a hard space. Don't really have the funds or the budget right now to afford an attorney, but also need some of those at least initial services to get started. So we've also 
in addition to the law firm, as part of the efforts, we've done a, a DIY legal product or product that we're able to offer so for those that are getting started. Doesn't replace an attorney, but it does provide an additional option for startups and small businesses as they're getting started. Can you explain to our audience what some of those? I mean, what some of those services might look like, or, or you know, if if I was coming to look for, you know, what what could I might what might I see? Yeah, so we actually offer uh, quite a few different ones. And so, you know, some of the ones you'd see, um, we do, you can do a trademark application. And, you know, the way that we've set it up is it's, you know, I tooting our own horn, I guess, but, you know, LegalZoom, and we looked at them. So some of these are offered by LegalZoom, but the problem is every time I'd see people that go to LegalZoom and they even tried to do it on their own and use their services, is it was complicated, it was hard to understand. There wasn't a lot of direction. It was just kind of wrote out script. And so we created a, a much larger suite, but it also, in addition to that, um, we're looking and saying, okay, what are the better ways that we can improve it? So we integrated video in there. We have explainers. We have a lot more information. At the end, they have an option too. If they say, hey, I'd like an attorney to pick up you know, where I left off or it's too complicated, you can have an attorney pick up where I left off and go the normal route. Or you can buy in an hour of attorney time to get some direction. But as far as the services, you can do a provisional patent application, you can do a trademark, you can do a copyright, uh, patent licensing agreement, cease and desist letter, LLC formation, NDAs, independent contractor agreements, business wills. Those are a, a, a good majority of that. So a lot of the services that we're saying that uh, you know are going to be needed for a startup or a small business to get started, we offer it as a legal product. Now, not as good as an attorney, never claim it to be because I think it's very hard to replace an attorney, but we do is we try and fill in that gap as, as much as possible to make it as good of a product for those that are maybe can, don't, can't afford us as an attorney or, or afford attorneys. Well, and I think that we're starting to see, I mean, I think one of the things, one of the issues that has existed and has been commented on, and I, I think you've touched on this, is the accessibility to a legal assistance. Um, I mean, and I know that that's been an issue, not just in the startup phase, but I mean, this has been an ongoing issue that I think a lot of people have talked about is, you know, there's, and in the, the, the problem is complex. The problem, I mean, problems like this are never simple or easy, Right. Um, to fix, but I think that that I mean, what you're hitting at or hint, you know talking about, I think, is one of those issues to try to you know decrease that barrier to access to legal assistance. Um, yeah, well, I think there's two. I think one is there's always been that barrier. I don't think that's new within the legal realm. I mean, you go back, I'm sure, two or three hundred years, people are still struggling how to pay for legal services because attorneys have always been pretty expensive. Right. But I think that there's a couple things. One is. You're trying to, you know, typically I always look at it as kind of like building a house and you can, you know, typically if you need a shelter over your head, if you had to build something yourself, you could put up a tent. You could probably do it without a lot of instructions and you get it done or you can go hire. I was going to say, you've actually never seen me put up a tent. So <laughs> Theoretically, if, I'll give you a really uh, simple tent. It only has two poles. I'm sure okay, you can I've got figure it. that uh, we, my backpacking tent, I'll give you that one, or I'll, I'll show you that one. And I bet you can get that one to pop up. But, you know, you either have a tent, if you had enough time, if you had enough bandwidth, you could probably figure out how to do it yourself. But, and that's what you're, that's kind of doing it yourself. You'd be here, you know, the typical, if I don't have an attorney and I have to try and figure it out, I may go watch some YouTube videos or I may try and read something online. I'll get that bare essential tent over my head that keeps me out of the cold or at least keeps the rain off of me if it rains, but doesn't do much more. 
Or you can go and you can have a contractor build your house, which is kind of more like an attorney. And it'll have all the amenities. It'll have the heating and the air conditioning and the it'll have the, you know, electricity. And it'll have, you know, all the amenities and nothing else. It's either kind of you either get the tent or you get the house. And right. so one is, is that, you know, it seems like there's a bit of a, there should be more of a middle ground to where you're not just left with one of those on the legal side of either having to try and figure out how to put up the tent yourself and having something or having the house. And so that's kind of where I think that a lot of law firms are not addressing that need. And the reason being is they they just want people to come in the door, pay the attorney rates, make the bigger, or better, you know, better amount of money off of it. Don't, don't uh, shy away from it. But I think it is it, the industry is moving that way, whether attorneys like it or not. You're having outside entities that are coming in, like legal zooms, like a rocket of lawyers. I think it's going to continue to come. So for me, it's either looking at it, say we can either continue to try and ignore it, push it off, pretend it's not there, and let the outside encroach in to the legal. And I'm not saying encroach in a bad way, but figure out how to solve the problems we're not willing to. Or we can start to say, hey, we already have a lot of this expertise and knowledge, and we're able to do it. Why not start to fill that gap so that we can continue to be, uh, you know, a stable, have a stable future? The other thing I think is, I think it's just one where technology has evolved to the point that we can do it a lot better now than what you could do 200 years ago. 200 years ago, right. there really was an ability to make a lot of those products. But attorneys and law firms are still thinking how it was done 100 years ago. And you look, and other than we use email and some docketing software and folder management, it really hasn't changed a lot. I think that you have kind of each generation, they just do it how the previous generation did it, how they learned it from their mentor or the attorney they trained under. And they never actually look to say, is there a better way or different way to doing this? And so I think that there's a lot of opportunity, but a large degree it goes unaddressed. Now, one of the other thing... um one of the other things I know is you host a podcast too. Is that correct? So tell Absolutely. us, tell, tell us about, because I, I mean, I, I like talking to people that host podcasts or have their own. So tell us about your podcast. How can, how can our listeners find your podcast? What do you talk about? What do you address on your podcast? And, you know, what should we be listening for? Yeah. So the podcast is called The Inventive Journey. Um, and it really started out of, so, as you can probably guess, first of all, I love startups. I also work with a ton of startups. If you can't tell by the sign, that's who we focus on, um, you know, startups and small businesses. And a lot of the time when we were getting into it, I was hearing a lot of the same. First of all, I, I felt the same way myself, but I was hearing a lot of the same billings. And even though everybody has their own journey, there's a few things that are commonality. Everybody feels overwhelmed. Everybody feels like everybody else has it figured out except for them. You'll watch the movie, they'll read the book or, or the TV show, and it feels like everybody's an overnight success and on and on. And then to not only compound it with you're having to wear multiple hats, you know, you're having to do HR, you're having to do hiring, firing, product development, marketing and sales. You're the janitor, you're the boss and everything in between. And so everybody kind of felt like, you know, why am I the only one that's feeling these ways and overwhelmed and lonely and don't know how to do it? And so the podcast has really started from, no, there are everybody, I hear this a lot. There are a lot of people going through it. Everybody has a different journey, but they all have these same struggles. And so it's really or telling the journey. We start at high school, college. So start from the beginning and we'll talk through in about a half an hour how people got to where they're at today. And, you know, 
Maybe they went straight from out of college and did their own startup. Or maybe they worked for somebody for 10 years and they figured they hated it. They tried their business. They failed. They tried another business. They were successful. They sold that. Whatever that journey is. But we kind of tell the journey from the beginning so you can hear, hey, you're not alone. Other people have done it. doesn't matter how old you are, what your education is. Everybody has a different path. And it's just a really fun conversation to hear how all the different people that are doing startups and small businesses, how they got to where they're at today. So it's on all the major podcast platforms. You can go find it on any podcast player. We're also on YouTube. You can also check it out on our website. Um, so you can catch it about any way. But if you just go and search for the, the, the inventive journey, it'd come up pretty easy. Great. Thanks for sharing that. I, I was going to ask, do you ever notice that your guests on the podcast are they are a lot of them serial entrepreneurs, meaning they've worked on multiple projects, whether they've been successful or not? Or, I mean, do you get a lot of people who've been on, you know, they, they struck it on the first time or they've got one business and that's what they've stuck to? All across. So we've done, I think now, 350 episodes or more. And so we've talked with, a t- I've talked with a ton of people. It's everything from people that have just getting started out and they're just getting into doing their first business. And so they, who knows, it's too early to tell to right. people that have, done it, they failed, they had to pivot, they adjusted, and they're on their third or fourth one um, to people that are, you know, getting ready to do their next successful one to people that hit it, struck it on the big. And I don't know, it's interesting. I don't know that there's been enough of one or the other because everybody's in a different place. I mean, there are people that struck it on the first, but even the people, and why I like the podcast, even the people that struck it on the first, it still took them years. They pivoted, they adjusted. It's not like they had an idea. They went and implemented, sold in the marketplace, and everybody just started paying them lots of money. I don't think I've had any of those stories. What I have heard is, hey, I had an, I left my job. I was sick and tired of working for someone else. or I, want, I always had a dream or desire. I started this. We were in it for a year or two. Figured out we had it all wrong. We needed to pivot. We adjusted. We changed the marketing or we changed the product. We That didn't work. And we now after about three or four years, we kind of got it figured out now. And we're starting to be successful. And that is a much more realistic. And some people are saying, I've been doing this for 10 years and I still don't know what I'm doing, but I'm having a great time at it. Um, so, I mean, I think it's that one where people, some people are still with the first business they're at and, and some people are doing serial and everybody's business or everybody's journey is so different that they're, I don't know there's enough of a commonality because they're so, everybody has such different uh, journeys and paths. Thank you for joining us for the first part of our installment with Devin Miller, founder of Miller IP Law. Join us back here next time when we further explore topics of entrepreneurial and startup businesses with Devin Miller.